We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. All right, well on that note, that very high note, very uplifting message, we will jump into the main show. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls podcast. My name is Terry Smith, and if you don't know, if you are uninitiated, this is the podcast where we talk about all of your favorite TTRPG news and occasionally get extremely political in the pre-show. So if you like that, head on over to our Patreon dot com slash can't be killed creations you can check that out or don't if you want to smile today um with me today i have charday hello and i have lissa <laughs> hi they're also very ecstatic and happy about the um the shape of the world and the political climate 100 yeah, percent. it's yeah. all great whatever it's all you Whatever give you the impression otherwise. I think if we don't cry a few minutes before each episode, it just really wouldn't be the show, you know? That's true, yeah. You know, you gotta get it all out. Everything's <laughs> going great. The world's not on fire, Terry. You're right. Doing you're right. great. There's no war in Bossing Say. There's no. no war in Bossing Say. Ah, uh, so this week's gonna be mostly a big giant games and supplements corner. If you're listening to this, I have to apologize that the episode was late last week because there was just so much news we had to keep delaying it because it kept getting bigger and bigger. And there were things that we were just like, well, I guess we have to talk about that. We can't not talk about it. So I apologize. This week you're gonna be like, I waited for this, and yeah, so it's just new games. All right, I don't know what you want me to tell you. No, there was no, there was no nothing crazy. They didn't announce a brand new D and D. So like, listen, you got. New games coming your way and first up on that list is the edgar Allan poe inspired rpg featuring the horrors of sleepy hollow and beyond this comes from alex mian over at dicebreaker.com along with all the stories this week so go over and give dicebreaker some clicks because they're making the show run apparently um <laughs> nevermore a role-playing game of american gothic horror is an upcoming tabletop rpg that takes inspiration from various american modernist writers such as the aforementioned edgar Allan poe um you know obviously if you don't know telltale heart the raven but also moby dick author herman melville and several more it's got that that 18 the late 1800s feel so like tesla mm -hmm. is a main character in the game that you can pick up like missions from kind of thing um they mentioned harriet tubman by name within the book and a few other historic players around that time um very 1880 86 uh i don't know if you if you two had heard about that game on ps4 yeah um it's it's nope. that it's that that steampunk um tesla punk i guess they call it uh <laughs> like uh like gothic horrors if you liked um penny dreadful but you want a little bit closer to a modern take on it um, just a little bit further in time. This is a good game to check out. And it comes from some serious um, RPG... Uh what's the word i'm looking for like bloodline i guess so when it comes to like the talent behind it they have some serious experience so the main designer here uh let me find the name uh scrolling ian lemke is a designer um worked on changeling the dreaming that's one of the world of darkness titles so vampire the masquerade talisman adventures fantasy rpg um, which people like Star Trek Adventures, which is one of the best Star Trek RPGs. There's several, 
apparently. I didn't know until a few years ago. And the Expanse <laughs> RPG. So definitely has has some serious weight behind it. And N- Nepenthe, I believe is how you pronounce it. Nepenthe Games is the publisher um, responsible for releasing Nevermore. So I'll link to the Kickstarter. Um, it launches October 4th, so there's tons of time to read up on it and check out. I don't know the system behind it. All I know is like the main touching points. Um, and because of the talent behind it, it's probably going to have some serious backing from other players. So expect that one to be funded. So you don't have to worry about, Oh, this is a first time game. This is a new one. I don't know if it's going to be good. If you like those other games I listed, odds are you're going to enjoy that one and you'll see your book. I know that's always a worry with Kickstarter these days. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's definitely going to come out. What do you two think about Nevermore? It is my aesthetic. (laughs) I like everything about it. I love. I mean, I'm a Edgar Allan Poe ho, so I mean, that's that's all you needed. That's all you needed to say for me to be interested. Uh, <laughs> Edgar Allan Ho. Edgar Allan Ho. Ho. Okay, I've I never I, heard that I one. Think, that's new. I think I like Edgar Allan Ho better. <laughs> You're an Edgar Allan Ho. I'm uh, Edgar Allan Ho and a Victorian Ho and. Uh, I mean, steampunk, I do like a lot, but I think I just really like the the time period of Edgar Allan Poe. And... Yeah, the, like the, the I like anything where like I have Tesla coils and like steampunk, yeah. like like weaponry, and there's a werewolf running. It's like I really love the aesthetic of 1886. That game, it was a terrible mm-hmm. game play wise, but like it was beautiful looking. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, do you ever watch the movie um, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Terrible film yes. based on an amazing okay. comic book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love the concept. Yeah, kind yeah exactly. Meh, kind of meh movie. Yeah, the movie was Great bad. Great concept, meh movie. Yeah, the comic book, though, highly recommend. Very, very good. That's what the movie was based on. And they were like, what if we did nothing of the cool stuff from the the, the book? And they were like, yeah, let's make that movie. Um, throw in Sean Connery for good measure. It'll be great. Um, yeah. but, but the comic is really good, but it has that same aesthetic and that's, those are the vibes I'm getting here. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to check it out. Vampire Masquerade. I've always enjoyed the system and the idea behind it, but the world is so like, if you don't love vampires and talking about the different vampire tribes and who sucks, what kind of blood and who's <laughs> fucking for this type of political power, that is not the game for you (laughs) and that's not quite my vibe so i've never gotten too far into the world of darkness games i played a little bit of their werewolf setting um which is the same world but werewolves instead of vampires there's less fucking for political power in like the base why not (laughs) that's just like my vibe i I, I, there's no knocking if that's what you're into um i was part of a it, it was a LARP that would use the Vampire Masquerade rules, and that was way That'd too much intense. for me. That was that really would be very intense. intense. I was like, yeah. I can't, I can't do this. And they're like, Are you like, sure? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a proprietor of LARP, and I, I understand. Like, I, why I was so excited for, for LARP. Sense. Yeah, I just wanted to hit people with like boffer swords. I was not into right. all the other stuff, and like, it felt like I was an extra in the Blade movies. Like, with all the techno music and, like, the goth leather. And I had been to tons of, like, goth music shows, but I was just... this was, It was too much. I The collar was too tight. You get it. Yeah, I get it. I, I get you. <laughs> Why would you want to be an extra in the Blade movie? Like, Why hello? wouldn't I? Yeah. I, have you met me? Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I have not, Terry. <laughs> this is not... 
you, you hear me talk on these shows every week. Do, do I seem like the type of person who's like, yeah, club, lots of sweaty people around me, <laughs> fluids everywhere. Does that seem like something I am into? Yes, absolutely. Well, now that you say that. 100%. Yeah. The yeah. shower after this podcast. Just talking about it. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, here's another gross one for you. This one I'm excited for. It's funny. Like, that all makes me uncomfortable, but I love, like, body horror movies. Um, I love horror movies in general, but uh, this is tr- Transformation. Again, comes from Alex Meehan over at Dicebreaker. It's a Cronenberg-esque solo RPG about becoming a monster. Do you know who Cronenberg is? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about here? The body horror master? No. I've uh, heard the name. Okay. So Cronenberg, uh, big in the 80s, never really stopped making stuff, just kind of had his big comeback recently. Um, But he was famous for body horror. So his movies usually had to deal with transformation. Um, There's one famous one where, like, the guy's arm, um, he's slowly becoming a monster, and his arm is growing and wrapping around a gun. And it's this terrible, grotesque Mega Man-looking arm at the end of the day, um, for an example. But it's really about body horror and transformations and just, like, the scariest-looking, um, you know, changes to the human body as they become monsters. That's that's what the movie's about. Um, and this game, uh, the tagline is Metamorphosis Without Multiplayer, um, which, which is a great tagline. Um, but it's like journaling your transformation into a monster and the abilities that you gain from it. Um, it's got the classic journaling RPG where like you have a deck of cards that has different prompts. Um, it's just interesting to see a solo RPG that has such an interesting take. A lot of the solo RPGs, like we mentioned Colossal last week, and I'm a big fan of that one. But yeah. that's so personal. Because even the ones that are, like, you think a solo RPG, it would be personal, right? You're not playing with other people and you're journaling what you're doing. But a lot of them are mm. still big adventures, kind of like from a almost uh, uh, godlike perspective, like where you're above yeah. all the action, you're doing yeah. stuff with factions. Third person. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Omniscient almost. But this is very mm-hmm. personal. This is about your character changing. Um, yeah, it's creepy. Like, I don't know, like, I, if, you're, if you're not into that existential dread, I don't know if I would recommend <laughs> this one. Um, but it's, it's exciting. Uh, it's, so the, the references that they have in the book straight up are, uh, obviously David Cronenberg, but then The Fly, Videodrome, those are two projects for them. The Thing, which isn't, um, Cronenberg, but still has a lot of that body horror as it transforms. Mm-hmm. Alien with H.R. Giger, Hellraiser, um, uh, more like classic. You have Franz Kafka's uh, Metamorphosis, but still, like it references like uh, the Quiet Year, which is another really fun, not solo RPG, but like kind of uh, different style of RPG where you have a deck of cards and it prompts what events are going to happen to your characters. Um, so it, it seems like it would be fun to play. I feel like you could probably play it not solo as well and kind of compare and contrast. Um, it might be fun to do, but that might defeat the purpose of playing a solo RPG. But yeah, check out uh, Transformation. It has great visuals, can I just say? Yeah, it's terrifying just it, looking at some of it these. It looks amazing. Are you going to pick up Transformation? Are you going to start? Are you going to be our solo RPG stand from now on? Because I know I sold you uh, on Colossal. If I can get you into Metamorphosis or Transformation. Maybe. Maybe. You can be our playtester. I'll just send all the solo RPG stuff to you. I mean, yeah. 
I, I, I have nothing but time on my hands at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you don't he sleep anymore He was saying you should get into the more games. So, I mean, this is a great I mean, way I, to do I it. I say that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do recommend Colossal again if you like solo RPGs. That's the one I've been playing. It's fun. I don't have enough time for any games, let alone one where I just play by myself. I don't even play my video games because I don't have time. So, but like, it is a fun. Like, I pick up my journal. I'll admit it when I'm crapping. I, ha- I keep it fine. <laughs> I keep it by the toilet. I play a little bit of Colossal. Um, so take uh the, those adventures with a grain of salt and uh, some nose plugs. But it's a fun time. Moving on. Uh, the Marvel Multiverse RPG announces a June 2023 release date. This has come from Jace Carter over at Dicebreaker, and it's coming with an adventure book now. Uh, do you two know anything about the new Marvel Multiverse RPG? Have I mentioned it on here before? I feel like it sounds familiar, like, but it was in like its beginning phases, and you just said they were working on it because mm-hmm. it, it rings a bell. Yep, yep, it rings a bell. Yeah, they were they sent out a playtest book, like, I guess sent out is the wrong word. You could buy the beta test on Amazon, for example, yeah. last year, which is weird. Buy. I just feel weird yeah, about buy a beta it. test. It wasn't expensive, yeah, I think it was weird. 12 bucks. Um, I got it for my birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah. in May, and it, it was cool, it, it, it wasn't bad. Um, not my favorite version. You've heard me talk about Cortex. I, I love the Marvel Heroic System is also what it was called. Um, that was my go-to for superhero shenanigans, especially Marvel-related ones. I think that system is still very good. This is a little bit more of the D&D type. Like, uh, Cortex is very much a story-driven game, very thematic, very big and cinematic, where, like, the roles are more like uh, theater of the mind, for example, whereas in... The Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, very D&D-esque. You have your DC, you roll your dice, do you beat it, you get to do the thing. Which I like, it makes uh, getting new players into the game easier. However, the design around the game seems a little bit haphazard. For example, the, the, the dice are based around Marvel, so all of your stats spell out Marvel, which is neat. It's neat that you have might and action and whatever to spell out Marvel, but it's unnecessary and don't really encompass a good character. And that's all of the decisions, at least from the playtest. I haven't seen the final version around it. Um, I know I, I always talk about how I don't really care about balance, especially in a game with superheroes. It's hard to balance and make Wolverine feel like they have the same power as, I don't know, Superman. Bad example, because two different worlds. But they they try to do that in a way where level one Iron Man feels the same as level one Spider-Man, which doesn't really work. And Mm -hmm. the failings when it comes to skill tests and things like that within the game also meet that same barrier. Um, so it doesn't feel good to play different characters is kind of my issue I had with it. I didn't feel like, oh, as I powered up, I felt better or anything. I just felt like I was playing a bad version of Iron Man. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I, I, the core mechanic of the game as well didn't feel good. I just felt like I'd rather play Cortex or just D and D. Like those are two game systems that work sometimes. And I talked about this before. We're like, I like that they made up their own system. I like that they didn't just say this is fifth edition, right? Uh, it yeah, keeps yeah. the you know the TTRPG space unique. However, you still got to make a good dice system, and I don't think <laughs> it ain't <Yeah>. it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that was not a it was not a solid one. And I had played with a couple other people, and usually if they're not willing to get into Cortex, which is the game I try to get everyone into, um, because <laughs> it's so weird, we go something closer to D and D, and this is something closer to D and D that it just isn't intuitive. 
like what you need to roll and how you roll it just doesn't come off your character sheet very well um and it wasn't fun to build characters in the system either which is the other thing i think is a big hurdle for new games so yeah, i don't recommend it right creation now. needs to be strong yeah. like that's where you can get lost and get excited about like oh i want to play this character i'm really excited about it. even if you don't know the rules you're like i'm really excited to play this character yeah. and i'll just learn exactly. but if the character creation you have to get sucks, yeah you have to get excited about the possibility instead of yeah because you don't know what you're doing so it's the possibility of oh i could be doing something cool like this exactly mm -hmm. and i think the issue i get into with games like this so it's it's kind of like a point by when it comes to the character creation there's not classes which is immediate uh hurdle for new players um i as like somebody who likes doing custom stuff i like a point by system when it comes to superhero things because i can build my exact custom character who doesn't just feel like generic cyclops from the x-men but yeah. it makes it so complicated in the game, but the nuances of the game system don't reward how complicated character creation is. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it feels superfluous and unnecessary. Um, if you want more synonyms on, it doesn't feel good. I can give them to you. <laughs> like there's no point in a lot of the decisions that you're making. Yeah. It doesn't change what the character feels Aww. like when you play. And that was the disappointing thing. We're like, if you're going to play yeah. superheroes, especially Marvel, like your character should at least be unique and fresh. And it just didn't didn't feel good. But again, that was playtest stuff. That that caveat there. I'm excited for the game to finally come out. I'm of course gonna purchase it. I want to see what it's like. I'm gonna try it. Um, but I don't have high high hopes. And I apologize uh, for shitting on the people who worked very hard to design the game and worked very hard to make that Marvel um stat sheet work. <laughs> but uh, um, just it didn't feel great. But I will check it out. And if you want to check it out, it comes out in June. Uh, are you two interested in how well I sell, uh, sold that game? Or you want to go buy Marvel Multiverse, the RPG? Uh, well, I mean, I like superheroes, but even if it was like a really great RPG, I would need a really hard sell to do it because I'm a big, I'm just a fantasy person. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, I love dragons and magic and stuff. And superheroes are freaking cool as heck. And some and of them I have dragons and magic movie. and stuff, right? And some of them have dragons and magic, and those are my favorite ones. But as far as doing it RPG style, I don't know if it's my thing, but I can see how it could be other people's thing, and I respect that. <laughs> well, Marvel has <laughs> two fantasy settings that are built into their canon. One's called Weird World, um, which gets into the Black Knight. If you saw the Eternals, um, you saw... Uh, no. um, I haven't you seen didn't see yet. it? Well, Kit Harrington is going to mm. become the Black Knight spoilers. Um, I do love to deal with weird, weird world. Yeah, so do I. And it's like a kind of think like Arthurian um, uh, fantasy, mm, and yeah. like the all black was or not the all black. It's a different sort. I forget what it's what's called. The ebony blade, I think, uh, was created alongside Excalibur. Um, so like that's very like that dark but like older fantasy, like Arthurian tales. Mm. And then their other setting is the dark fantasy world. Um, which is Conan's setting. So if you like Conan the Barbarian, both are canon to Marvel. So you you can do that. That's just my my comic book mm. nerd coming out. There's nothing at all related <laughs> to this. Uh, but if you want to play superheroes, you can play Cortex. It's really good. It's fun. And you like it. Mm. <laughs> you stop, like try, it stop trying to make stop trying to make Cortex happen. <laughs> stop trying to make Cortex work. <laughs> <laughs> Fetch is gonna happen, you two, okay? You know, uh, you know the last Marvel movie I watched was Iron Man two thousand eight. Avengers. No, the, the second. Don't Avengers say the movie. Avengers. Don't. 
<laughs> the Avengers, however you pronounce it. I I still don't know how to pronounce that word. I love the it. Avengers. That is awesome. The second Valid. one. The Age of Ultron. Yeah. Endgame. Endgame? Because you saw you saw Infinity uh, War, first, Endgame. Yeah, back, I, I watched back, the right? first one and the second one together. Yeah. Okay, so not the Endgame. second Avengers movie period, the second one in that like sequel uh, um, setup. Dude, I don't think she's seen Ultron. I don't think she's seen the first. Yeah, I, I have not seen anything after uh, Wakanda joined the fight. With, Black Panther. They all. They all That's killed. Infinity War. Um. 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 um Thanos. <laughs> Yeah, the one that, that one. you thought had a really good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that I uh, <laughs> that I that I thought, you know, like I can I can see where he's coming from. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, flawed, <laughs> flawed, um, flawed execution. Uh, it's not a terrible cool motive. Like yeah. Still murder. Yeah, still, still good, yeah. good bad guy though. I like that. Um, but yeah. yeah, don't watch those movies if you haven't seen the other ones. I had so many people see Endgame and like message me and they were like, I just didn't get this. It didn't make any sense. I was like, because you didn't see the other 54 oh, no, movies. I, I did that. I did that. And there was this, because I, had, I hadn't watched any, the last uh, Spider-Man movie I watched was uh, Tobey Maguire. <laughs> so uh, oh when, 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 when there was this emotional <laughs> scene where he goes, Mr. Stark. Don't, you shut I'm up. Like, I'm going to cry right now. Don't you I'm, dare. I'm, oh my God. Looking, is that's an awful I, scene, first off. I'm so looking bad. around, I'm no, looking around the so theater, much. and I'm going like, I feel like I should be feeling something towards this, but I hope he dies. I, I hope he died too, honestly. Yeah. That was me. When I That line is so cheesy. I understand what they were going for, but when you know they're trying to get you to cry, I just don't cry out of spite. Yeah, because you're just a hipster. The thing is, is, like, I love that line, number one, because Tom Holland does this no. amazing thing where he has to because he plays a younger Peter Parker, where he's, like, talking himself up, and he's got to pretend to be an adult because he's put with all these other adult superheroes, and he switches to kid mode when he's scared. He does that in that scene, which I that's why I love it. He's like, I am asking for help from the only person here that could help me. And the other time he does that is when he's trapped underneath the building in, in Homecoming, and, mm-hmm. he's, and he starts screaming for help because he's scared because he's never been crushed under anything before because he's Spider-Man, and he doesn't have the strength to do it at first. So I love those scenes, so you can go fuck off and the other part that's cool about it is that he's the only one that knows what's happening because of his spider sense so his spider sense is going off and he's like i know that i'm dying but no one else has figured it out yet that's yeah, why I love he's that not scene. toby mcguire though so, so why what? would i toby give a shit? A ter- terrible spider-man i, I hate toby mcguire going oh. toby mcguire has such a punchable I'm face die i don't give a shit listen we're forgetting about andrew garfield i love angel garfield no no no. we can all agree andrew garfield's amazing i love peter parker andrew Andrew who andrew garfield go fall in a hole you i know you live in britain sarcasm note sarcasm that's it no you're fired it's too late it's too late you tried to shit on tom holland and you tried to shit on spider-man and the mr stark like you're all fired i'm done with this podcast go play cortex hold on hold on hold on i will say something to redeem myself spider-man no way why would you want to redeem yourself for terry because because i'm a people pleaser Um, (laughs) (laughs) the white man don't do it for the white man (laughs) (laughs) spider-man the the newest Spider-Man, so Spider-Man No Way Home, is that it? The one, the multiverse one? Yeah, it's No it's Way Home. Best, yeah. It's it's the best multiverse movie in the entire fucking franchise, full stop. Oh, to- totally is. It doesn't have a lot of competition as part of the thing. Where, like, it's such an easy statement, right? Because, like, you have, you have Multiverse of Madness and then, I guess, and- WandaVision, right? The show. 
I mean, I think, okay, WandaVision's better. So WandaVision and then No Way Home and then Multiverse of Madness. But I would also argue it's better than Infinity War. That's not really multiverse, right? But, like, I, I like if you just, like, compare it to the it other is. movies. What'd you say? It, I mean, it is, but it isn't. Because I still understand how everybody was brought back with the portal. That's Endgame. So that's that's Endgame. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where I thought you were just saying Infinity War. Because Infinity War, they don't really do that. Endgame, yeah. Whenever people talk about, like, I mean, oh, it's an alternate timeline, not an alternate universe. They're the same thing. Alternate timeline is an yeah, alternate same. universe. That's what I thought. Okay, that's what I thought. That I would technically count that. And that's, like, the Word. lowest, lowest yeah. one. Yeah. I, I, I can agree <laughs> with you. Um, I still like it. I, like, the thing is, is, like, while their time travel stuff doesn't make sense if you logic it out, no time travel stuff makes sense if you logic it yeah. out. Because time travel is illogical. What I like about it is they follow their own rules. Um, yeah, as long as you make your own rules and follow them. Which they do, which, like, I like, honestly, like, my favorite movie, uh, maybe not favorite movie of all time, but up there, but my favorite time travel movie, Back to the Future, Back breaks its own rules Back. multiple times, <laughs> and and I still love that, so I think I still, and it goes to Endgame, plus I had Ronan in it, which is one of my favorite moments in all of uh, Marvel comics, because it's so silly. Where Hawkman, mm-hmm. Hawkman, <laughs> Hawkeye fakes his own death <laughs> and wears this other costume, and now he's a samurai and he trains all the heroes that should know that this is Hawkeye, but they don't know it's him, and he goes underground and stuff. And in this, they were just like, "What if we didn't do any of the dumb stuff?" And he just murdered people because he's sad. And I'm like, "I like that better. That's cool. That's a good idea." But he still Dad wears a cool people. outfit and changes hair to look badass. <laughs> Which doesn't make a lot of sense. Like as a as a person who often gets sad, I don't get a cool haircut and murder people in an awesome outfit. I can see doing one of those things, but not both. You know. Um, so next time we're all sad, we all go to the salon, get our haircut, and dye the cool <laughs> color, and then do the Hawkeye. Yeah, listen, like if you're gonna be this avenging samurai type guy, you're gonna take the time to get a cool mohawk and have a new suit tailored. It's like no, no, custom samurai swords as well. Okay, sure. Um, anyways, like he's just gonna shoot people with a bow and arrow. That's what you're gonna do. You're not gonna become a wandering Ronin. Anyways. Next up, Rune looks like the perfect solo TRPG for those of us who need more Elden Ring in our lives. Uh, this also comes from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. Another solo RPG, so I'm sending this one to you, Lissa. Um, <laughs> reading the article verbatim. Remember Elden Ring? From software's sprawling, dark, fantasy-flavored action RPG that definitely only came out earlier this year okay this person's having a hard time with the passing of time so we're gonna skip over some of these paragraphs i get it chase time is hard um but we're also short on it so (laughs) this come from uh comes from spencer campbell from gyla rpgs online rune is a distillation of soulsborne video game subgenre into a single player tabletop adventure that attempts to emulate both the feeling of gradually creeping through a hostile and immersive world and the tactical methodical combat system that exemplifies the work of studio from software um so i actually i was looking into this a little bit and i like this a lot when it comes to feeling like getting to the next bonfire and leveling up i know you two don't play from software games like souls um or elden ring but it's all about like being by yourself and just getting to the next checkpoint essentially like that old school playing on like an nes Mm -hmm. type video game um with big creeping monsters all around you and then if you make it with the souls that you've collected you can slowly level up and the next time you do it'll be easier but every time you save the monsters regenerate and it's a similar thing here the thing that i like about this is that it is a solo rpg we've talked about the the dark souls rpg both of them on here before as well as the new elden ring one that's coming out and while those are cool and i think we'll capture it and it's in fifth edition at some point um 
it it's hard to capture souls when you're by yourself or when you're not by yourself or just with a buddy. Cause that's the other thing is there's some people that pop in. It's not really a group game. And even the multiplayer itself feels like sh- two ships passing in the night rather than you and your buddy going on an adventure. So the solo RPG aspect, I think will fit that vibe a little bit more. Um, and as someone who's just having a hard time wrangling a bunch of people's schedules to play D and D, uh, I'm liking the idea of solo RPGs more and more. Do you two have any interest in checking out um, Rune? I like the aesthetic a lot from mm-hmm. what I see of the pictures. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've never played any of the Ring... The Ring games? Souls games? <laughs> Souls games, <laughs> including Elden Ring. Um, so, but I'm I'm still intrigued by it. So I'll give it like a nice maybe because I like the aesthetic and I do like the the concept of like getting to the next checkpoint and kind of being on edge. Like I could appreciate that from a narrative standpoint, mm-hmm. um, but I still need to like dive into solo RPGs as well myself. So I've never played one, so I need to like find one, play it, and then see what it's all about first. <laughs> Colossal's... Figure out which one would be best. Exactly. Colossal's the one I'd recommend because it's the easiest one to get into and, like, there's no combat, really. This one I thought was kind of novel because most solo RPGs also don't have combat. At least not the, yeah. the TTRPG ones. Like, there's there's a couple of, like, the more board game ones, like, uh, oh, uh, what, Grimhaven? Is that what it's called? Gloomhaven? Gloomhaven, thank you. Yeah, Gloomhaven has a lot of combat but and it has that, that D&D feel, but it's more of a board game. This one specifically mm. has like a 4x4 grid and you're traversing a map and you mm. face off against mm. creatures and stuff. So like it has a little bit more of the D&D feel to it um, when it comes to these solo RPGs. So it'd be an interesting take. Um, if yeah. I get playtest stuff for it, I'll definitely send it your way. For sure. I'd be interested, at least in, like, looking through it and seeing how it all works. Yeah, even if you don't play it. But, like, you can play it separately, but next to Lissa, because I'll also send it to Lissa, because she's our solo RPG (laughs) person now. That's true. Yeah, I know. As as long as I don't have to talk to Lissa, then you you sold it. Uh, Excuse me, you like talking to me. (laughs) Who talks to Lissa? That's just not... Nobody talks to Lissa. Most of you do. She's European, we don't... Yeah, uh, this is for poor people, okay? We don't do that. It's like shoes. (laughs) Um, Next up, from Alex Meehan over at this... From Alex Vietto over at Dicebreaker, this weird tabletop RPG inspired by Adventure Time and Samurai Jack. A new role-playing game takes inspiration from those two games. It's called The Lands of Lore. Um, And you're exploring... uh, Lands of Lore? Yeah, good title. Um, Exploring dark and weird post-apocalyptic world populated by strange and dangerous folk. A world that has experienced near destruction before slowly dragging itself back to its feet. The land of lore is a bizarre, scary, and wondrous place that's ready for adventurers to discover. I do see the Adventure Time and Samurai Jack elements. Both of those games, if you don't, or settings, shows, are uh, post-apocalyptic, but fantasy afterwards. So, mm-hmm. uh, similar to the Shannara Chronicles, if you're familiar with that YA book series i don't have nice things to say so i won't say things at all (laughs) um it did have a show on mtv so maybe you are familiar um but you know the idea is after everything goes down then magic happens and elves and whatnot um 
So if we get into this, players will be able to create their characters by choosing from a number of playable species such as traditional fantasy archetypes like elves and dwarves to stranger things like cavians or rodent people or oozers. GMs and players will be able to have access to fundamental rules, setting descriptions, and other gameplay mechanics depending on which version of the RPG they get. So this this has uh, definitely a couple of different uh, tiers over on their Kickstarter. So you can get the, the DM's guide, basically, or just like the player set where you get the basic rules and the character sheet. Um, it was co-created by Bernard, Wichter, Oliver, Christopher, Caroline, and Lucas. I don't know any of those people. Uh, <laughs> or, or their company um i'll admit i don't know too much about this game the aesthetic is cool um the post-apocalyptic stuff doesn't really work for me but you know what i would use this for i probably wouldn't use their exact setting i would probably just use this as a theme to play an actual adventure time game um so like if someone was like i really like this ip i would run the adventure time game in this setting probably or in with this system it seems like it's built for that for sure. Exactly. Like their their own like bespoke stuff isn't grabbing me necessarily, but But again, like the art style is so cool. <laughs> like that's like I just love the art of all So <laughs> so many like I, I've played a number of games where I'm like I, I bad is, is subjective obviously, but I'm like I, I'm not a fan of this, but I look at the art and I'm like, This is so cool. <laughs> you know? So cool. It makes it look so cool. I try like, my you hardest, you know, to be you can't it. You cannot denote the um, the impact of a good artist on your team to make your game look cool. No, stop. like so many so many things. Like I, I, as a comic book writer, that's a lot of it. I've had people be like, "Hey, yeah, like I like this pitch. Like I don't know about the story, but the art is amazing." And I'm like, "And you're still gonna buy it? Like you still want to publish this? Are you sure?" And they're like, "Yeah, no, art's good. Like I don't like it. Maybe somebody else will." <laughs> it's hard to <laughs> hear art, that as right. like like the writer because like you know I came up with all oh, the yeah. other stuff. Um. So it's like, oh, that kind of sucks a little bit. But uh, a lot of people, like, the art gets them into it eventually. So yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so maybe mm-hmm. Lands of Lore, uh, maybe the art is enough for us to go buy it. Um, <laughs> next up, My Chemical Romance-inspired RPG includes stickers. Danger Days are coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I love everything about that. I'm like, okay. Is the headline, it's, it comes with stickers, I guess, as Alex being I mean, I'm excited now. I'm excited now. I want stickers. <laughs> Listen. So if you don't know Danger Days from My Chemical Romance, that was one of their later albums, and Gerard Way, the lead singer and writer of a lot of their content uh, from My Chemical Romance. He also writes comic books and came up with the whole settings for that concept album. So it's not just a, an album, it's a concept album, which means there's story and characters and tie-ins to it. Um, it's it's pretty cool, actually. I really like that album and uh, as well as all the other stuff that comes with it. But if you, if you don't know all that stuff, basically this is a punk rock setting, post-apocalyptic, think uh, Fallout, but with more punk rock stickers. Um, uh, this game is called Rebels of the Outlaw Wastes, um, and it has players exploring a hypersaturated dystopian world that's being controlled by a tyrannical collective of powers. As a rebel, players will be finding ways to fight back against the tyranny using the power of friendship and attitude to stick it to the man. <laughs> reading that sentence out loud just hurts my soul the power of friendship that uh, is like the most anti-fallout thing i've ever heard you know what you know what there's nothing more punk than being told i need to stick it to the man um that's true whether they're a motorcycle riding punk or a retro futuristic cowboy players will be able to craft and play their character in numerous ways while all whilst uh heeding the call of the voice otherwise known as the game master 
uh yeah then you just explore uh explain ttrpgs um but the aesthetic this is another one we're like i'm digging the aesthetic i like the the Mm sci-fi setting this one i probably would use the actual setting for um it's a little bit more generic and you can kind of tie in a lot of that stuff that you like um this says it's similar to the trpg gameplay systems such as powered by the apocalypse and forged in the dark which are two very different systems i don't know how it's similar to both of those um mm-hmm. like maybe uh, they got together and had a baby yeah so maybe i guess like so blades in the dark uh, doesn't really use tags you use like d6s and have dcs and then um you kind of have different faction systems so like you can progress your character but you can also you know progress your gang as you go hmm. and uh powered by the apocalypse is a tag system with your playbook that we've talked about that i'm not a big fan of so interesting that they're going to combine those two maybe it comes out and makes something awesome um so rebels of the outlaw waste is a game that has players choosing to make the rules rather than the gm asking them to maybe that also doesn't appeal to me because that's already what we do like i don't often tell you what to roll when i gm do you do that char from a gm standpoint you Um, say roll this it totally depends so if it's something that's very intuitive like they need to jump out of the way of a boulder i'm like yeah roll a dexterity saving throw but a lot of the time what i'll do is a lot of the roles i have my players make i've noticed can usually fall between one like role or another role Mm -hmm. so i say like oh roll an arcana or a history whatever is higher Mm-hmm. which I think I stole from Matt Mercer because like some characters are really well versed in Arcana, but maybe they're not as well versed in history. Like maybe they're more proficient in one or the other. Maybe they're the same, or maybe like I'll do like an intelligence versus a history, like whatever, usually history would be higher, but I give them a choice. And then if they like, Oh, if they, you know, answer back to me, like, actually, could I maybe roll this? I think about it, and most of the time I say yes. If they can give me a good reason why they would roll for it, I'm like, yeah, roll that. Give yourself more of a boost so you can hopefully succeed. Yeah, like, I always just give the – like, so when I say, hey, so roll something for X, so let's say, like, jumping out of the way of the boulder, the thing that I always tell you guys at, at my table, which is uh, depending on what you roll, your outcome will vary. So, like, if you're trying to get out of the way and use athletics or dexterity and you pass the DC – that will probably give you the same idea. You're either jumping or you're dodging. Um, But if you roll high enough and you do a history check, um, (laughs) well, you're probably still going to get hit by that boulder, but you're going to recognize what kind of boulder it was as it hits you. You know what I mean? (laughs) But if you're asking for information from a person and you're looking for something in a book and one person does a history check while another person does an arcana check, well, I'm going to give those different results. Like maybe a person like exactly exactly like what you're looking for it can hit multiple different things so um that's Mm -hmm. how i generally do it like like i said like your mileage may vary depending on what you pick but i don't like limiting the players too much if they need help if they're going what 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 should i roll to dodge this boulder i'm like well athletics is for jumping and running and dexterity is for like you know light on your feet type things so like Mm -hmm. maybe pick one of those two but (laughs) if you (laughs) if if you want to be cheeky with it like the thing that i always give out too is like if you can convince me of it and the players at the table then try it 
right? Like, if you're like, well, mm -hmm. I don't have a very Tell good me. charisma, but my history is really high. How, can I convince the guard by maybe explaining where their helmet comes from? Ooh. You know, I'm like, yeah, give that a shot. You know, that kind of thing I'm always so open to. But uh, anyways, back to <laughs> um, the My Chemical Romance game. Uh, so, Lisa, you're going to like this. Uh, this comes from Banana Chan. The co-creator of the horror tabletop uh, role-playing games, such Banana. as the enemy nominated, and uh, not enemy, any nominated, which we know what it means now. Uh, Jiangxi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, and Suburban yeah, Consumption yeah, yeah. of the Monstrous, with artwork from Alessandro Rosnato and rules by Michael Addison. So, um, I again, kind of a star-studded cast there. So. I kind of rescind a little bit from what I um, was saying about it, but I still don't like Powered by the Apocalypse, and I still want to know how that's going to work together. And I'm trepidatious, but I'm going to buy it. So um, there's <laughs> that. I'll put the link for the Kickstarter. Also coming out October 4th. October is going to be banging for the Kickstarter season. It's going to be a banger year. Or banger. they're all going to fail because everyone's trying to launch Kickstarter in October, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> um, they battled Kickstarters. I'm I mean, still having it's... trouble. Go ahead. It's it's the spook month, so like if you're Boop. doing anything with spook or horror or gothic horror, then you might Thank aim you. it for October. Edgar Allan Hoes will rejoice that there will be TV <laughs> yeah. RPGs to play. Exactly. <laughs> Wolver <a> Rager. <laughs> um, also from Alex Meehan over in Dicebreaker, we have Play King Arthur Pendragon TRPG for free with a new quick start adventure. Um, experience the newest edition of the tabletop role-playing game, King Arthur Pendragon, for free with a new quick start adventure. The reason why I threw this out there is we mentioned that King Arthur setting from Marvel. Um, this is a cool game, and it's coming out for free, and you can check it out. Um, this is technically the sixth edition of this. Like, it's had a lot of refinements, a lot of Ooh. cool stuff in there. Um, easy for new players, I, I think. Um, and it's a very specific setting. So, like, if you liked uh, recent novel Cursed or Classic, like the the boy um, who pulled the sword from the stone. Is that what it's called? I can't remember. The, the classic, the... Um, the sword and the stone. It, yeah, the, just the sword and the stone. No, but, like, it's uh, the, it's not what it's called. It, uh, it, do you remember the... the the Disney movie that came out with, uh, oh, with yeah, 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 the blonde with the red, the black cauldron. Um, no, no, no. It, blonde, it, this one's just the blonde called little boy with the red, um, yep. tunic. Exactly. On. And the Merlin with yeah, the big yeah. pointy hat. So it's based, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. what that is based on. Um, give me one second. I'm going to Google this. I am not done with my podcast, buddy. What's up? Do you need something? Oh, that sounds scary, buddy. It's a surprise. Okay, well, I'll come check it out when I'm done. I have to walk around the whole room to find it? Okay. Well, that sounds terrifying, but I will check it out in a little bit. Did you hear my son's interruption? I heard, like, bits and pieces. I don't know what he said. He, he said he has there. a surprise waiting for me in his room. And uh, if I walk he... around the room, I will find it, which is just so scary. Like, when you have kids, sometimes they're so adorable, and other times they are so, so terrifying when they say things like that. <laughs> and, Unintentionally terrifying. Yeah, and sometimes like, they'll do it in the middle of the night. Like, I often get woken up, and he's like, Dad, 
I have something secret to tell you. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna die. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> um, the <laughs> so, anyways, so the classic is from Thy. It's called the Once and Future King, which is what that Disney movie is based uh... off of. And this setting very much fits that very classical Arthurian tale. Because if people don't know, people think there's like a canon to the Arthurian tales. It's not. It's all no. based off random legends and people hodgepodge it together. There's no fact. There's no like list. Well, oh. actually, this was King Arthur and. Uh, it's all fanfic. It's all fanfic. Exactly, and there's different versions of it, but this has a lot of that in there. So, taking place within the medieval city of Londinium, which was the capital city of the UK during and immediately after the occupation of the country by the Roman Empire, the Adventure of the Sword Tournament features a collection of quick start rules for the fantasy tabletop RPG's newest edition. Using the rules provided, a game master and players will be able to experience the adventure, becoming members of medieval society and possibly companions of the future king, Arthur himself. Um, but I do recommend this one if you like that very historic, um, fantasy, like, uh, <laughs> a bad example, I was going to say, um, uh, uh, what's the, the name of the very famous medieval, um, comedy with the Monty knights? Python. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Grail. The Holy Grail. My brain is not working. I haven't slept in over 24 hours, so I apologize. I could not think of <laughs> The Holy Grail, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, so maybe I should have uh, be looked at, you know? Um, but it's that yeah, kind of I vibe. Mean, like, very hey, low fantasy. Hey, you're, talking, you're talking to a person who cites that as their favorite <laughs> movie. Favorite movie. No, I don't mean I need to be looked at because it's my favorite movie. I think I need to be looked at because it's my favorite movie, and I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that checks out. Yeah. Right, like that's kind of an issue, but uh, but yeah, if you like that kind of low fantasy setting, but like very medieval, like the chivalrous knights, um, you know, horseback tournaments for for jousting, that kind of thing, Pendragon is really really cool. Um, I actually learned about it from George R. R. Martin. Uh, he did a blog post about it, and uh, it was a reference. It's Pendragon. Plays. Pendragon books. No, the, the, the King Arthur Pendragon TTRPG. Um, ah. I do recommend the Once and Future King, but it's long as fuck and kind of dry. So, mm. um, it's written with a wit um, that is just a few centuries older than like uh, like a Neil Gaiman or uh, Douglas Adams. So, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type thing, where it's like. So is they're... it like? Is it like Dickensian wit? Uh, a little bit. It's a little bit cheekier than that because it's not quite that old. But uh, but again, like if you watch that that movie, like the Disney Channel, uh, Disney Channel, the Disney King Arthur movie <laughs> from back in the day, it's like that, but strung out to like you know, a thousand pages. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a little bit slower. A, anything with a thousand pages, I need to like. I need to like mentally prepare myself for like run a marathon before and then like like type into the book like exactly i did it because like uh i'm working on a comic book that that takes place in like arthurian times and i wanted to see what other people have done like to make my yeah. own canon and so i started yeah. with the classics and it took me so long to get through thy because there's more than one book too so um yeah. but it was cool to see like what they did for like more of like a younger take on it because it's for children mm -hmm. like the ones of future king mm -hmm. but uh recommend it it's it's fun it's just slow at times anyways yeah. moving on to the actual D, D news probably why most people <laughs> listen to this podcast are like just fucking say something about fifth edition already um so planescape setting returns to dungeons and dragons in an adventure and source book this comes from alex Meehan over at dicebreaker who would have guessed 
Um, Not me. <laughs> <laughs> the Planescape, the multiple universe setting, is making its return to the tabletop RPG Dungeons and Dragons. Announced as part of Wizards Presents 2022 event. Who would have heard of that? They only announced the next D and D. The Planescape setting, originally created for the very first edition of D and D, will be seeing a return. The fantasy TRPG. All right, Alex. Let's let's get concise here. Let's just talk about what's actually happening. I know what's coming this year. Um, so, so they're mentioning that they they talked about Spelljammer. Go read this article. There's lots of good information for all the stuff they're mm-hmm. putting out. But yeah, Planescape is coming back. It's coming back with um, uh, what's is it the City of Sigil? Is that what it's called? Do you two know what I'm talking about? It's okay. Um, <laughs> Not really. I mean, I know of Planescape, but I don't. It's like Spelljammer. Like I knew of it, and same with Dragonlance. Like I know of it, and I know like basically the premise. I think Dragonlance and Spelljammer more. So Planescape, I think, is the one I'm least familiar with in terms of. Yeah, I think setting. It was called I know it's Sigil. older, but yeah. Let me scroll yeah. down here. Yes, Sigil. Okay, yeah. So it's called the City of Doors. It's a hub space that connects the various worlds of Planescape together through a series of interconnected crossroads. So again, it's like multiverse of madness you have um the city you can go through these different doors to pop out in different areas and really it's a way to tie in the different settings so dragon lance and things like that became canon to the overarching world because of planescape because you can go to different settings that's what i've used it for i've used sigil before Mm -hmm. in my settings to pop between like my bespoke worlds and like forgotten realms um it's interesting they're bringing it back with both like a source book as well as like an adventure which is kind of cool it's like hey we really want people to use this which is interesting um that could be because they're introducing a lot of their older settings again like Dragonlance. uh yeah i think you know it's coming back that's that's probably part of the reason why they're doing it i think they they didn't want to just announce hey we're doing Spelljammer. they wanted to announce we're doing Spelljammer and we're doing Dragonlance and we're doing Planescape because they've had the rights to them forever and people have been theorizing for a really long time that they were going to bring them back either through hints or just you know they I mean, just wanted been, them to. every single time they've put out a game they've been like oh where's Spelljammer? oh where's Planescape? <laughs> when when are you doing exactly. that and then when something is like yeah we're doing Spelljammer, then they're like Wait, where's Planescape? Why aren't you doing Planescape yeah. now? <laughs> that was one, like, I understood the love for Spelljammer because, you know, everyone wants to be on, like, a flying spaceship. You think, like, Stardust style, right? Like, that makes sense. Yeah, There's giant hamsters. People are into it. But when people are like, yeah, and Planescape, I'm like, really? That's the one you're... I think that is a little bit of uh, revisionist history if you're like, oh, I'm pumped for Planescape. I'm like, are you, though? Come on. <laughs> maybe for like the concept like you were saying like the yes. concept of like walking through doors and doing but also Spelljammer does that I, and I'm curious because I don't know because we did a whole episode on Spelljammer for Slavonly Trolls plug plug and <laughs> we when I was looking into no. the origin <laughs> when I was looking into the origins of it, um, Spelljammer, from what I understand, is the first setting to connect the worlds. So Planescape, I think, probably built on what Spelljammer did, because Spelljammer introduced, you know, like uh, traveling through space and all these different constellations and basically created the multiverse before the multiverse was the multiverse, because it was their version of like the planes, because the planar, like, cosmology didn't even exist yet before Spelljammer came out so maybe is Planescape 
building on that, I want to say. So, yes, a little bit. It's it's dumb and convoluted and unnecessary, but let me get into it real quick. So, when you're traveling through space in the Forgotten Realms, forgive me for the people that will get this correct. I'm trying to summarize here. Um, but, so, uh, unlike planets, they have these crystal shards, which are like galaxies, right? So, you leave Forgotten Realms, which is on a planet. I forget the name. Is it Faerun? That might just be a continent. But you have a planet, you leave, and you can go to other Oral planets. Planet. Oral is the planet. Oral, thank Faerun you. is one of the parts. It's one of the continents on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so so you, can, you leave Oral, and you can go to other planets, which have their own worlds and, and stuff there. And then you have the crystal shards in, in space, which are like the galaxies, right? So you can traverse those, yeah. and those will allow you sometimes the same way that Planescape would to go to... A world that has its own setting, like Dragonlance, so you could travel that way. Or you can pass through dimensions, um, like with Planescape, like through a portal, and now you're in an alternate universe. So, similar to how you get to the other Wizards of the Coast um, properties, like when you try to get to the Magic the Gathering worlds, like Dominaria and stuff like that. Um, you can cross through there. You could probably, the way that, you know, the universe is vast and expanding and infinite, um, get to... <laughs> either either way kind of like thor and marvel right right you can go through space to get to asgard or you know use the rainbow bridge right yeah 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 that's kind of what i was picturing yeah Yeah, so like it did it totally totally building on it and like it it makes a lot of sense they do try to differentiate because you can use planescape to get to other ips that aren't out there in the universe right so like dragonlance Mm -hmm. i think technically you can travel to the dragonlance crystal shard through space um but like you couldn't get to gotham right like you know like you couldn't get to earth right through through the crystal shards because it's not on like that cosmology map right so you would have to use Mm -hmm. some sort of interstellar or not interstellar interplanar transportation so they use planescape all of that is to say they bring back planescape um it's interesting like i i think i played the video game planescape torment um that was like my first like foray into it and a little bit in advanced D. um but it's more of like a good storytelling tool i don't have particular love for the exactly like this is planescape you're in sigil the city of doors and there's all these <laughs> characters from it i know other people are so i'm excited for them i don't care as much i probably won't use the adventure but i'll probably use some of the tools that they have yeah, it feels like it, it. It's more. It's stronger as a mechanical kind of like a like a mm-hmm. mechanical expansion of like what you can do in terms of how D and D, um, like lore and world building and magic and science or however you want to explain it. Like in terms of how that works. Yeah. And but I'm all, I am curious what they would do for the Planescape adventure. Like if they are going to revamp something they've already done or if they're going to do something completely different. I think they should do something completely different personally, but like adapt all of the stuff from the earlier editions that people really, really like. Because as we know, Planescape probably has a lot of problems <laughs> from AD&D. Like it, and they don't want to bring that over, rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, like, adapt just... it, go ahead. Adapt it, modernize it, but still keep uh keep it to honoring what it was back then and the spirit of it well speaking of that like so alex Mion actually has some good commentary on here so though there are several planes connected to sigil such as the astral and prime material plane the factions found within the city represent one 
of each of the outer planes, which are all driven by specific moral alignment, which we've talked about on here and on Slovenly Trolls. Um, despite the moral alignment system becoming less significant part of Dungeons & Dragons in recent years, such as playable species no longer being assigned a certain moral alignment, it is the central premise of the outer planes and the factions of Sigil, with mm-hmm. the differences being uh, between both making up the main appeal of the Planescape setting and the stories that are based within it. So there's the problems right there. Um, I'm mm-hmm. guessing they're going to move a little bit away from that. Um, but how much I they can, not. when they, like like Spelljammer, like you you two have talked about, where Spelljammer has moved away from some of the problematic elements of it. Um, and if you're using it more as a tool set, you can get away from all of them. But there's mm-hmm. still some issues in there. Um, they're black- just baked in there when you're yeah. adapting something that has problems. Like, you can fix a lot of them, but unfortunately, it's, it's always going to even unintentionally it's just going to come from come with some rhetorical baggage and there's you know wizards and the people who are working on the book can only do so much to get rid of that and they're only human so just like look at it as like a good step forward but also don't look at it as like this is going to fix everything that was ever wrong with Planescape because that's a bit too high of expectations I think and I, I think we also have to recognize Shar that like me and you and some of the other GMs that we know we're willing to put in a little extra work because we're writers we like doing it we like creating our own stuff a lot of GMs yeah. that sit on the table just want to open it up and be able to run stuff for yes. their table and it's a lot of work yeah. to go well this is problematic I'm going to create my own system you know yeah like, that's hard to do right that's I, that's one of the points we i whenever we're going over like settings and stuff for slovenly trolls like that i always try to keep in the back of my mind or say in our concluding thoughts is that i acknowledge that i am a person who is very creative storyteller and i have a narrative background and it's just intuitive to me if i don't like something i'll change it but i understand there are a lot of people who just want to open a book run an adventure and not change anything like i have my best friend does that she literally opened up i think uh rhymes of the salt marsh picked an adventure and then we were just going to do that and then that was it no like no embellishment on story no nothing it was just what was in the book so what's in the book 100 percent matters and they should fix like the vast majority of it and not rely on people like me and you or like <laughs> creative like narrative gms to fix it for them and like i'd love to get Lissa's perspective here uh when it comes to yeah. like rules as written i know you've now run a couple of different games when it comes to like picking up like would you run an adventure would you be nervous that you're going to find a lot of problematic things and not as versed on changing it um ahead of time like prepping lots of different sessions how do you feel about running a new setting that you go, this might have some issues in it. Well, I mean, I would have to read through it first. I mean, obviously I would read through the setting first before I would run it for people. And then I would try to be on the lookout. Obviously I am not perfect. I'm not going to catch everything because it's just my pair of eyes. And, you know, I'm coming from a cis white woman background, even though I try to be, you know, learning and educating myself on the issues of different people but you know I do come from my point of view so if I don't catch something then you know I I I feel like I'm creative enough to be able to say if somebody points it out in game or if I notice it in game that actually no that's that's I wouldn't want to do that then I feel like I would be able to wing it I don't mm-hmm. I'm not saying it would be good winging it. <laughs> and people would definitely notice that I'm winging it because I you start think saying so. uh, uh, No, no, no. 
you and think there's so. less you think so. Things, but they don't. You have faith in yourself. So Players. I guess my other question would be, Lissa, if if you if you already have those trepidations, would you be quicker to create something from scratch, like you've already done a couple of different times, or would you look at an adventure book for a new setting like Planescape? Here's the thing. So I the first few ones that I've run myself have been in Finnish and I am quickly coming to realize that my Finnish language is not as descriptive and fluent anymore as my English is so when I ran for my Ooh. grandparents it was one thing but then when I ran for my grandparents and my aunt and uncle I felt my language lacking and then especially when I ran for my sister and my both of my parents they heavily judged me and what were i mean i feel like i i would say they heavily judged me i, th I know my sister judges me because <laughs> that's what siblings sister. do yeah, yeah siblings, a sibling and they would correct me and and they would Ooh. say like oh that wouldn't exist in the 1800s and stuff like that so i'm and i guess because i i made it in a realistic setting so it wasn't that magical mm -hmm. i guess you know it's on me a little bit but i don't know yeah it's i i would want to run yeah i don't know so i i don't have the experience of running something in english i guess so i feel like i would be much more fluent in english with adjectives and stuff mm-hmm so so would you use a setting then would you what would you be more inclined to to pick up one of these books yeah so i would be more inclined to want to maybe start off with running a setting that's pre-made mm -hmm. seeing how how much detail they give for each part seeing how like the game mechanics are built with the narrative because i'm just coming from me spouting words <laughs> giving some description or n or none at all depending on the thing and sort of winging it so i would want to kind of kind of read through a pre-made campaign book just because i i have run and winged three dm'd games but i now would well. want to see like what from the DM point of view, what it would be like to run like a, a very fully fledged out campaign, sort of. Thing. And they're they're getting better. I never really liked running um, pre made campaigns just because they were kind of told out of order. They they were either really too restrictive or not restrictive enough to be helpful. Um, yeah. One of my first experiences attempting it was actually not in D anD D. It was in the Star Wars RPG from Fantasy Flight, and. Uh, the first encounter that the players can get into, there's no way out of it. Like you're supposed to have them do this like stealth check, right? And they can hide from stormtroopers running in. And my players passed the the stealth check. I was like, okay, cool. What what can they do next? And I'm I'm reading through it, and and it was like, but the stormtroopers find them and attack anyway, so combat can start. And I was like, what? What's the point yeah. in that? And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Threw it out. Yeah. And I was like, I know Star Wars. Let's play. And that was the first time I was like, you know what? I My GMing style does not fit running a campaign verbatim from one of these source mm -hmm. books. So I just didn't do it. And my players had fun. And we went on several Star Wars adventures. And it was all great. But 
looking at the Icewind Dale adventure that running Rhymes of the Frostmaiden, um, while I totally went and did my own thing based on my characters, I use that book a lot, and I think it's a really, really good adventure book that has a lot of good options, can weave and uh, tell a tale directly from the book if you want, or do your do its own thing really, really well. Um, so I think they're getting much better, and Rhymes of the Frostmaiden, I think, is one of my favorites. So I... I don't hesitate as much as I used to to go go pick up one. That's usually my first piece of advice, anyways, for people. But now I think like even a more advanced GM who's been doing it for a long time, if you're having like trouble or if you just want to do a little less, you know, legwork up front, I recommend mm. Rhymes of the Frost Maiden to most people because like uh, you can you can run that without going ah this is too restrictive or this is too hard. Um, Shar, you you play in ours. Do you like that we use uh, Rhymes of the Frost Maiden? I do because I was really I'm I won't lie I was really trepidatious when you asked me to play one because I didn't I only knew you and your wife really well <laughs> the other two players I didn't know as well <laughs> so I was like oh god new people but it worked out which is good but I also had never played anything in the Forgotten Realms before everything I'd done before that point was homebrew mm-hmm. so I ran my own well I ran a campaign in Taldore, Taldore yeah right, right. Taldore Taldore <laughs> <laughs> which is but I it was I, it was my own like homebrew plot and then I played in my friend's world which she did all herself and I'm running a new campaign which is my world that I made myself. So I was really nervous because I ne- I didn't know what to expect and I'm just like oh no we're going to like we might do it by the book and I don't know if that's going to jive with my playing style but obviously I want to try it out because I love you and I wanted to try like You've been trying to get me to play Game of Thrones forever. <laughs> forever. Decade For now. fucking ever. <laughs> and our schedule's finally lined up, and I'm like, I'd be a complete dick if I just <laughs> said no. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're still a complete dick, but not because of this. Yeah, no, I'm a complete dick for other reasons. But now I really like it. It's, it's just, you can tell there are some parts that are structured, and like, this is the world that you're in. These are the things that are going on. But you don't hold us to that. You give us complete freedom to do whatever we want, which is why we came up with the characters we came up with. <laughs> I completely probably did are not playing the setting the way the devs intended, but that's okay. And you're not like punishing us for it. You're giving us the freedom in a setting that exists and adapting the setting for us, which is a, in my opinion, for my play style, a good way to do it. But if it was like more to the book and we absolutely had to stick with the plots and we absolutely had to do everything in 10 towns and we absolutely had to do everything, I don't know if I would have as much fun. But because we don't do that, I have more fun because it's more loosey-goosey and the story adapts. And that's my GM style and my player style. So Well, I'm glad that you're having fun and I appreciate your kind words. And I definitely think that's (laughs) to the strength of Rhymes of the Frostmaiden, similar to the Curse of Strahd book they put out a few years ago, which is like, hey there's no specific order they have to do things in if you want to keep them level capped and if you're worried about the encounters as written from the book maybe steer them towards this town or that town first but it's it's kind of a free roaming element where it's like here's the map if they go to this town from 10 towns here's what they'll find there here's a mayor here's a problem that's there here's some adventure set up and here's how it ties into the main um issue with oral who is the frost maiden there's owls exactly 
But if you just want to tell your own thing, like that, like what I do, I just use it as a crutch. So if you're like, hey, actually, we're going to go head left instead of right, which you often do, I can go, okay, <laughs> shit, uh, which town is that? I can look at the map and go, this is the name of the town. These are the type of shit that's there. And then throw in my mm -hmm. own stuff. But I have a little bit of a crutch there if I need it. Yeah. Um, which is, nice. yeah, it's just, it's just okay, nice and helpful. Nice. It helps if I, if I haven't prepared as much and I can just jump in there. So. I recommend that one. It looks like Planescape might be something similar. Um, there's going to be some problems with it, but let us know what you think. Moving on, uh, because we are running long. Um, I'm excited about the next anthology setup. D&D's um, next adventure anthology features a series of Ocean's Eleven style heists. Um, so, it, do you are you familiar with the last anthology they did? It was all from... Um, uh, people of color creators i'm trying to remember the name of the oh um the radiant citadel the radiant citadel was the last anthology and that had some really cool stuff in it and i like this idea where it's instead of this huge one single adventure here's lots of other hooks that you can throw in yeah. to go I hey like do you want to run a level one like short adventure maybe this one only lasts one session maybe this one lasts two um mm -hmm. And this one being completely about heists and robbery and that Ocean's Level style stuff is really exciting. Um, this was revealed last week at Wizards Presents. Keys from the Golden Vault will be a collection of short adventures all focused around heights. Citing classic heist movie Ocean's Eleven. Uh, and I'm not going to describe Ocean's Eleven for you. If you don't know what it is, go fucking watch it. Um, <laughs> they're stealing stuff from a Las Vegas uh, uh, casino. Keys from the Golden Vault will have players attempting to pull off tense jobs within the world of the tabletop RPG. So directly in Forgotten Realms, there are several heists that you can pull off from the Golden Vault that will be in there. And um, it does favor rogues, obviously, you know, the people who steal stuff. Yeah, but you don't have to be a rogue. Too to play them i've played lots of heist games where even with nobody who played a rogue so you don't feel like you have to just be a criminal element or a rogue to enjoy the game it just is about stealing stuff and from what i could tell from it there's a couple of different setups for it so it's not just oh you're thieves it's like hey this item was stolen um so indiana jones style you're trying to steal it back get it into a museum um stuff like that so there's a couple of different things that tie in there from the golden vault uh are you too interested in running that i think that might be a really good place for lissa so i want to hear lissa's thoughts on that because like one-off adventure sounds like just her game and like jumping into stuff like that yeah that sounds easier to run than like a full-on campaign mm -hmm. so that it has enough of a structure and guidance to sort of start dming yourself without being like a being a six-month project that you have <laughs> to dedicate your time and life to yeah i really liked those uh those tie-in books because it was easy for me like i like sure i won't spoil anything but like you've already played one from um the radiant city and uh i've done a couple of other ones that i've done myself where i like i i have a session in mind that could tie mm -hmm. into any game. So if you go to a specific spot, um, for instance, uh, do you remember when you fought those werewolves in that snowstorm? No, Terry, I've completely forgotten. Where your character all died? Uh, yeah, I've, I've forgotten. <laughs> I blocked that out. <laughs> so the setup is that there's this uh, 
traveling group of bards. It's a rock band. It's a traveling rock band. And you are sheltered in place from a snowstorm and werewolves are attacking. I wrote that a long time ago, but I made it in such a way that I could plug it into any campaign that I was playing in. It's just a session if we're ever in an area like that. That's the way that I GM. I have a lot of prepared stuff that I can just plug in whenever. And that's how these work. So maybe you don't want to run all nine heists from the Golden Vault set up, right? But you do get to an area where, like, hey, people are talking about maybe wanting to do a heist session or something. You can grab one of these, see which one's applicable to the situation, the city you're in, where you're at, and plug and play. And that's why I like these shorter ones. You don't have to Mm -hmm. make an entire campaign around it, but you can plug them into the current one that you're in. Um, that's I think those are really cool for that. Or like like Lissa said, just being like a setup for a one shot is also a smart the move. ones. Yeah, that's sort of what I did in my the one the the ones that I DM'd for my grandparents and my parents is I had a bunch of encounters that they would would slash could run into. Mm-hmm. I had no map, no storyline thought out. Not really. I had a a a faint structure of like beginning give quest uh insert challenge one insert <laughs> challenge to uh, the final not battle because they never even battled anything so insert the final like story first story to make sense and then the ending thing and then i would just whenever they went somewhere i would just say oh well you know there's a whale there and it breaks the ice and now you're stuck so what do you do in and like these types of things are really good for that so if you just need to kind of like group together some encounters or if you have some players that are kind of being like more wanderers like they kind of have that that uh rambling man type attitude you can easily slip into an adventure so instead of going i don't know i didn't expect you to just go to this random town. I don't have anything prepared for this town. There's no sheriff there kind of thing. So you can open up one of these books and go, okay, well, this adventure would plug in here. Um, They're really good for that. Uh, But I'm going to pick up the Golden Vault because I love heists, and I used to run a heist campaign. So um, it'll be exciting. I might maybe see if I can hunt down those people and get into that again. Um, Anyways, that was a note for myself. Next up, (laughs) D&D 5e's next big release finally bundles its books with D&D Beyond. So uh, Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen bundle will include two weeks early access to the digital adventure if you buy it through D&D Beyond. Um, This comes from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker. Um, Dungeons and Dragons 5e next adventure will offer a bundle, bundle of its physical and digital books for the first time. Previously, players who picked up any of the print source books and campaigns for D&D 5e would need to pay again uh, to gain the uh, respective content on D&D Beyond, the RPG's digital reference library. But if you know, D&D or Watsky recently purchased D&D Beyond. And so now Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen will be the first D&D 5e release to offer a bundle including both the print edition of the book and its digital contents on D&D Beyond. However, there's a catch. The bundle will only be available via D&D Beyond's own store. So if you're trying to purchase it through like DriveThruRPG, you're not going to be able to get both. Or if you're trying to purchase it on mm-hmm. Amazon. But the $59.94 bundle will also grant early access to the Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen on D&D Beyond from November 22nd, two weeks ahead of its full release on December 6th. A deluxe edition of the adventure, including tie-in board game Warriors of the Kryn, a DM screen, and unique cover artwork for the book will sell for $154.98. What economy are they living in? Um, including a digital copy <laughs> of the Ivy books. We're in a recession! Uh, Please stop. 
No, we're in a stall. Did you see that? The Fed put out that message. Uh, we're in a stall. It's not a recession. Um, the economy oh, has off. just we're stopped. Ah, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I think it's cool. Like I, I know we were all a little trepidatious on what kind of time they were going to do with D and D Beyond and how long it would take them to function together. This seems pretty quick when it comes to corporate synergy and going. Hey, we bought this new tool. When are we going to tie it in? We're seeing them move very quickly. Like we talked about the virtual tabletop last week, um, and how quickly they were going to get that up and running and what they were going to do with D and D Beyond with the subscription. Seeing that they're already bundling this two together, seems like this plan was maybe in motion. Maybe these were th- some thoughts that they were working on ahead of time um, before the merger actually happened. Because this is this is interesting. Usually with an acquisition yeah. like that, where you're buying a whole other company and everything they do, it takes a long time to get that folded in. So. Mm-hmm. Just from like a corporate like mindset, that's interesting. That's uh, uh, kind of impressive to see them rolling it out that quickly. Um, this is the kind of thing that we were hoping to see. I know something that we talked about last week, Lissa, was that we were worried they're just going to do a prescri- uh, prescription, <laughs> a subscription model, and we're only going to be able to buy through there. At least you're getting both the same price, and they're bundling it together. I I have a friend. Uh, we've mentioned John on the show. He's bought most books digitally and physically that they have put out um and saving him from that double dip is definitely going to save the wallet what do you think of this does this give you a little bit more hope that they're not going to immediately move us into a capitalistic dystopia i mean i didn't i didn't think that it would be immediate mm-hmm. i it was more so of a eventually, eventually they're they gonna fuck us towards it and you'll not they'll cut back on you know the physical stuff and mm-hmm. Yada 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 yada. So it'll be a slow. It'll be slow. slow so this doesn't this doesn't make you, this doesn't make you go. They're definitely not going to do that. But you're you're okay with this decision so far. Yeah, for now. <laughs> for now, I I agree. They're on um, thin ice. They, it sounds like it, right? Like I could, they could have gave her the book for free. And she'd be like, I don't trust. <laughs> Valid. You should not trust anything capitalist ever, even exactly. if it you want I, we were talking about um a recent D book to come out uh we should probably mention that um soon um and you said so you were talking about geek and sundry you're like we stand geek and sundry and i was like i stand no co- corporation thank you very much um <laughs> i support all the people that work there and i like all the things that they did but listen here lady um corporations aren't people at least um well according to america they are but i don't agree with it that's yeah we don't we don't stand capitalism <laughs> anyways uh jumping into the last story of this episode essence spiel 2022 makes masks mandatory but not covid19 vaccinations um this comes from alex Mian over at Dicebreaker. visitors this year's essence spiel tabletop gaming convention will be required to wear masks but will not need to have proof of vaccination against covid19 this comes as a big change because last year they did require it um that's the essence of the story there's not really much more there what do you think um about this i don't understand if they were so good about it last year why they changed course now unless maybe they felt that like maybe they got pushback from it i'm guessing they got pushback and attendance dropped yeah maybe attendance dropped or something but i mean i i would want to see like from i could see the capitalist perspective i can see like the business perspective like if attendance dropped and if maybe they lost sponsorships or maybe they didn't have as many vendors or something because of that 
I can see maybe where they're coming from, but it just, it's still disheartening to see corporate decisions made over people's safety because I don't know if you guys know this um people are still dying from COVID-19 no I haven't heard that getting really 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 sick long COVID is a thing and like it's just a support it it makes me not want to go to any I want to go to cons like even though they have kind of a bad rap right now like it's still a great place to network it's a great place to meet people it's a great place to find like really cool indie stuff but I I don't feel like my health is being prioritized even as like even from a quote-unquote customer perspective like why are people who aren't getting vaccinated against a deadly disease why are their needs more important than somebody who prioritizes their health do we know the the numbers for vaccinations versus cases happening in germany right now like it could it be a case of um like it's not as much of a worry right now or numbers down and our vaccinations high kind of thing. But even it that doesn't even matter. Even in my opinion, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Even if even if it's down, that's because stuff like this was in place. That's because it vaccinations were required. That's because masks are required. That's because of social distancing. When you get rid of that and there are still cases around and we're still classified as in a pandemic then obviously you're going to see a spike in cases because everything is laxing even though it was working and numbers kept going down. Yeah, you're seeing that right now in America, right? That's exactly what's happening to us right now. That's exactly what's happening. That's what's been happening this entire pandemic. And that's just, I mean, I could go into it, but it just it just kind of sucks. It always sucks to see that people are making decisions for, you know, capitalism <laughs> and business before people's health even though the decisions they were making before a hundred percent saved lives and now they don't really care about that anymore and for me personally that sucks and that means that if i was ever in a place to go to a con like this i would decide not to go yeah it makes me a little bit nervous too uh like uh lissa as someone who closer at least uh am i right is spiel in germany uh yeah spiel is game essen is yeet Oh, okay. Okay. Same. Thank you. Uh, um, I I was just gonna say that they're they're catering to the masses in order to fund themselves, right? Instead of focusing on the individuals, mm-hmm. because you also have people who are immunocompromised who absolutely do need to wear ma- masks, and already it's a problem because. They can't go to places. They can't attend cons. They can't be by people because nobody's wearing masks anymore. Mm-hmm. And if they work in the TTRPG industry, what are you going to do when you can't attend cons? You can't sell your product. You can't network. And you're losing out on that sort of part of it. So if the cons start doing sort of the mass appeal instead of focusing on individuals they are just discriminating against people who can't attend yeah and i always thought of like even if you look at it from like the dark capitalistic angle um when people try to not make things accessible because they're trying to cater to a more um individualistic like ableist mentality of like well i'm fine i'm not gonna go if you're gonna make me bring that card but when you think about like the dollars gained from the people that will go if everyone has to have that card right i feel like 
it would probably work out. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like more people would go if they felt safe going, right? But um, I would assume so. But I don't know. We're not a bunch Unless of Unless there's a whole bunch of people thing. who aren't vaccinated. Exactly. And that's where I was curious. Like, what are the numbers in Germany? Yeah. I don't know enough about the situation to go. Is it one or the other? I I tend to lean towards probably that's it. Like, they looked at the numbers and said, we're going to gain more ticket sales if we go this way than that way. Or maybe we're all being super cynical and just the vaccinations are so high there and the cases are so far down that they're not as worried, right? Which still, as Charday pointed out, still probably an incorrect way to look at it. But that could be a possibility. I'm not sure. But it was interesting. I wanted to get your two uh, take on it there. Um, to wrap this up, um, our one more BS thing should be all one of the same. We were talking about reading a new book. Um, what was the name of the book? Do we remember? We were all talking about it yesterday. <laughs> no, I can't. My Literally, brain just is not functioning. I'm so sorry, guys. That's fine, dude. It's like, the, tale of, the tale of Dungeons and Dragons. The untold tale? The secret the tale? The untold tale of dungeons and dragons <laughs> i love I, I love you kind of making up no, the title no, no, as you no, go no. playing um, ben, play, ben riggs playing the dragon a secret history of dungeons and oh, dragons okay. by ben riggs by ben, yeah, riggs. ben riggs okay so we were talking about reading this potentially as uh like a book club type um book has anyone purchased this yet no, um, I haven't. I'm I'm not at home. So yeah, I'm gonna wait. I I'm gonna home. hit the road here in a little bit, and I'm gonna see if they have it at my local bookshop. The hardcover is twenty six ninety nine. The Kindle version is fifteen bucks, and the audiobooks only seventeen. Normally, audiobooks are a little bit overpriced for that, so I'm thinking I might purchase it. I was gonna use one of my Audible credits, but my wife is marathoning through the entire Forgotten Realms Ari Salvatore Dritz series. Oh, and yeah. she's on book eight so she was like no no no, the credit is mine i'm going to, I'm, going to <laughs> I'm going to go read the legacy next Valid. and i was like that's fair i love those books too so like it's fun that she's finally reading through them because like i can kind of talk to him about it um because yeah, yeah. she she doesn't read nearly as much fantasy as i do so a lot of the books that we discuss mm -hmm. are like older stuff but she's been really digging into the forgotten realms books and it's exciting because i haven't been able to talk to anybody about these in like a decade um so like she just like read the 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 dritz prequel series that happens before the crystal shard where it's like how he left menzo barazan and like his mm. drama with his family and she was like this is so cool this that town is weird and the dark elves are like it's kind of fucked up i was like oh yeah no there's definitely issues with it but oh my god i'm gonna have to text her and talk to her about drow oh she'll love it she i think uh <laughs> oh i have so much to say about drow yeah <laughs> and like i always like i like ari salvatore's take on it more than a lot of the canon books and not that it's without like issue but it's it written from flaws. yeah yeah but like the a lot of the flaws not that i'm completely saying that he doesn't have any issues but i think he fixes as many flaws as he can while being true to the canon of that world um mm -hmm. which i which i definitely like and he does a good job of going no 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 like drow aren't evil like their society is built on evil rules and but like they're still people and there's still degrees of it and stuff and i was like okay i do like his That's take better. on it exactly yeah because yeah. ari salvatore i don't care what people think i think he's a good writer uh so like i do appreciate the stuff that he does but it's just cool reading that so anyways back to the book that we were talking about slaying the dragon a secret history of dungeons and dragons comes by ben riggs and he's done massive research uh youtube pointed out that he used to work for geek and sundry and did a lot of critical analysis over there um doing a deep dive on his twitter last night instead of sleeping seeing that he's definitely like an older school like tsr gygax stan um one of the things that we saw that he was championing to get a gygax holiday 
um, which gave me some trepidation uh, because I don't yeah. think so. Celebrating Gygax to a certain point, he did create the co-create the, one of my favorite games of all time. Still kind of a problematic individual when you think of uh, he's a Kinda. biological determinist. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it's hard for me to go. This man deserves a holiday because he made this he cool wasn't. game I like, and I go, but he's also a piece of shit. So. Yeah. He could be both things at once. He could create a really great thing. He can also be a piece of shit. And we can also not give him a holiday. So that's that one made me yeah. a little bit nervous <laughs> for how Ben Riggs' te- take is going to be on it. But take that with a grain of salt. I have not read the book yet, and I'm going to. So, Ben, if you're yeah. listening to this, I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. But, hey, maybe let's not stand people who did something that bad, right? Like, we can tear down the statues of the, you know, southern colonists and uh, still read about them in history books, right? Like, we don't need a statue for them. We don't need a holiday for Gygax. I stand by that uh um but i'm excited and and listen like maybe he has a more nuanced take than i'm giving him credit for the book is getting good reviews it was featured in the washington post which is more of a left-leaning um newspaper it's still a newspaper it's still owned by terrible people so uh it doesn't always give me a bunch of hope but check out that book i think we're gonna make that our first book club uh, read if we reach our goal over on Patreon, which you can go see at patreon.com slash creations um, and check that out. If we hit that goal, we'll be doing a book club every month. Uh, we also do lots of early content and bonus content. There's a pre-show on this episode that you can get if you go check it out over there on our Patreon. Um, you also get lots of behind-the-scenes content from the Slovenly Trolls, as well as Char's lore rewrites, where she makes things just a little bit less uh, problematic. She can only do so much with what she's given uh, with Forgotten Realms lore, but I think she does an awesome I job. Um, what'd you say? I try. <laughs> you, you do a very good job. But again, like it's just like we were talking about with like, uh, um, you can only polish it so much. Like you're still so using yeah. the content that they created to a certain extent. Um, this month, uh, you did Hags, um, which was really exciting. Lots of praise over on our Patreon from the people who got that early. But if you like that, you can check it out over there. Um, we are working on bundling all of that up for the lower tiers of our Patreon for our goddesses that we did last month. That Char it so should be up. Wrote. It should have gone up. It should have been. It should have gone to our lower tiers as soon as Hags was published. Perfect. So but we're also uh, going to release that over on uh, Drive Through RPG and a few other places as soon as we get that together. Um, and format it and actually sit down and be able to talk about what we want to do with that instead of just going get our shit together yeah, yeah. exactly nice but it's hard to do editor. okay yeah we have yeah it is, it's hard publishing shit is hard man publishing but we're gonna shit is hard. Make it work. um but we are gonna do that so if you're excited about the lower rewrites but you don't want to support us on patreon don't fret you will be able to purchase them elsewhere um if That's you if you like this stuff head on over to campykillcreations.com you can check out all of our other podcasts there and a lot of the other stuff that we mentioned you can get all the stuff we talked about in this episode in the description below um if you want to contact us and complain or praise uh you can do that at uh campykillcreations at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at resident stevel or at ritf underscore pod which is the uh, Twitter handle for the other podcasts I hope uh, I host on the network right in the fields where I talk about old school pop culture things like Tamagotchis and Digimon that's coming back this month with a whole host of new episodes uh, a whole other season Char where can the people find you on the internet they can find me as the best host of the Slovenly <laughs> Trolls podcast. Excuse us. Start with shots and I, I run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls. Thank you. And Lissa, where can people find you? 
<laughs> I stalk the Slovenly Trolls Twitter on my personal account, and <laughs> I am currently holding the keys to the kingdom that is the Cape Trolls pod Twitter. And that's growing. Like, every time like I see somebody like, like one of the tweets or like uh, comedy on something, I'm like, okay, this is making me nervous. People are listening to this show. I don't, I don't know I what know, I'm right? doing. I'm doing something, and people are finding us on twitter you're doing wonderful our numbers are up every week for this uh thing people are starting to listen and going hey this is a news show even though a lot of it isn't (laughs) (laughs) a lot of it is not a lot of it is like just me going hey go read dice breaker we're going to talk about edgar allen hose for a little bit you know but uh (laughs) it's still exciting content it is prime content i don't know what you're talking about and a lot of people listen because they want just more slovenly troll stuff so we've been trying to get more synergy in between those two contexts but it's just exciting that people are listening um i you know do podcasts but most of my stuff's in in the works so if you like uh comic books you can go check out my comic books over at our website and uh when you start to see solicits coming from bigger companies and you see my name on there go buy it (laughs) like you can uh, you can go support that but until then we have been the cave trolls and we're out and that's it people that's done Now comes that special time of the podcast where we thank our Patreon producers. This month we have the Trellbot themselves, the Highlander, Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell, for everything you do, especially monetarily. You keep the lights on, the mic's going. I just want to say thank you again from the whole network. You are our Patreon producer and the Highlander. There can be only one Chantrell. Next up for the Patreon producers, we have Jeremy Raymond. Jeremy is a newcomer, and I want to say thank you, Jeremy. It's okay that you're late to the party. It's okay that you're new. You are welcome here, especially because you wrote us a check. So, you know, you know, have at it. You're welcome to our snacks. You're welcome to the fridge. I think I saw a dog running around in the background. You know, you can go pet the dog, take it with you, whatever you want. Because, again, you paid to be here. You are a producer of the show. You keep the lights on. You keep the mics rolling. Um, you probably paid for something else that's around here that I'm unsure of. So I'm just going to say thank you again for the 10,000th time. Thank you, Jeremy Raymond.